0: Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, sponsored by SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion, and sponsored by Diamond Service Grading, fast, accurate, transparent card grading for today's collectors. And sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. For sports collecting news 24 7, visit SportsCollectorsDaily.com. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM cashier Your Sports Collectibles
1: Podcast, where we talk TTM cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. It is season four, episode 16. It is the weekend of April 23rd. It is birthday weekend for somebody. We'll get into that a little later. <laughs> you are listening to the nationally ranked Sports Card Podcast. My name is Jeff Baker. I am your host calling, talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host from Dallas, Texas, Mr. Drew Pelto. Welcome, Drew. Hey, good to be on here, as always. Drew, why don't you let everyone know where where they can find you on YouTube? Of course, if you just look up Drew's
2: Autographs on YouTube, or if you go to youtube.com slash Drew Pelto, you can also find it through my website, dfwgraffer.com. You can find links to my Twitter, Instagram, youtube and everything about all the various sets and projects that i'm working on as well
1: well drew we're having our 16th radio show this week is is going and we've signed up we're going to go through all through the end of the year at least so why don't you let people know about our radio show on sports map radio network
2: yeah it's called uh sports collectors club you can hear us on sunday mornings, 7 a.m eastern time also 10 a.m eastern time as well if you uh can't if you don't have a sports map radio affiliate in your area, you can get their app. It's just called the Sports Map Radio app. You can also listen to back episodes on the website, sportscollectorsclub.com.
1: Yeah, give us a listen, guys. We have some different content uh on the show and, and uh give us a give us a try on on the radio as well. Well, we had a we had a fun week, and, and as I I said at the beginning, we have a birthday boy, my friend Drew Pelto is 38. I can't believe he's an yeah. old man. Happy birthday, Drew. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Your wife doing anything special
2: for you for your birthday? Uh, we're actually going to go to a ball game on uh, Saturday. We're going to see the uh, Frisco Rough Riders and the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. I'm going to the game on Sunday as well with a couple friends. So uh, some autograph opportunities in there and yeah, that's
1: about it. Just, you know, taking it pretty easy very nice well i want to wish my brother and my niece they're both born on the same day different years obviously but their birthday is today on the 22nd when we're recording it so happy birthday to greg and marissa and uh you know i, I know you had a a great week uh, going to the texas rangers uh alumni event i did yeah at the games on uh, what was it friday and saturday
2: i think it was they had a couple of guys in town and signing autographs at each of those games so on Friday the 15th, it was Jeff Burroughs, Toby Hera, and Al Oliver that were out there. Um, pretty well-run event, honestly. Uh, Burroughs signed uh, all three cards that I had. Harris signed three cards plus a photo. Oliver was a one-per signer and really, I don't know, he just had this attitude that he didn't, really didn't seem to want to be there much, but he signed one card for me at least, so I got that out of them. And then uh, on Saturday, they had uh, Dick Bosman out there, uh, Jim Sundberg as well. But got a photo. I went through. I was able to go through the line twice on the 16th because uh, the one player I'm going to mention at the very end of that was the one I need to get to a couple times in there. But uh, got Bosman on a photo each time I went through there. Got Jim Sundberg on two cards each time I went through there, and the big one was uh, Hall of Famer Fergie Jenkins was the uh, headliner there for that one. But I got him on a card each time I went through there. So I'm down to needing only one of him now for my 72 set. It's one of those league leaders cards. I still need him on, but. Yeah, got uh, got two done by him at least, so uh, coming
1: along there. Yeah, that hurts to have to pay forty dollars for a, a yeah. league leader card. I agree. Well, that's kind of that's kind of cool. I'm glad glad you had. Uh, sound like you had a great time. Uh, I just want to thank our, our new sponsor, Sports Collectors Daily, SportsCollectorsDaily.com, is joining the show. I also want to thank all the new listeners that we've been getting uh, for the last month. Our listenership is way up, and I want to thank all the guys that have been downloading and listening. We really appreciate it. Spread the word, let people know what we're doing. Uh TTM Cast is for collectors like yourself and tell your friends about us because uh you know we're we're really thrilled about all the new listeners that we've been getting.
2: I do want to say real quick also, I talked to somebody while I was in line for Fergie Jenkins. I was talking to somebody there and a guy overhears me says, Hey, are you good the guy from TTM Cast? And I'm like, Yeah, that's me. And I forgot to get the guy's name, so I would have given him a shout-out right here. So Whoever you were, thanks for listening. And I wish I'd gotten your name, you know, shout me out on Twitter and give me crap on there or something.
1: But yeah, I mean, well,
2: thanks for listening, everybody. And yeah, word obviously is getting around out there.
1: Yeah, I think I told you when you texted me that my uh, my family calls me a D-list celebrity. So anytime I'm get, <laughs> I get recognized out in public, you know, at a signing event or a card show, they're like, oh, there's your D-list celebrity. Yep. Uh, coming to to forefront. So congratulations, Drew. Drew, you're officially a D-list celebrity with mates. <laughs> Just don't let it go to your head. Right. I'll try not to. <laughs> well, we have a, we have a really fun show this week. We have, a, I got to speak with Sam McDowell. Sam McDowell, of course, played um, with the Cleveland Indians, the uh, San Francisco giants, the New York Yankees and the Pittsburgh Pirates from 1961 to 1975 And uh, he was a uh, a six-time All-Star and uh, five times led the American League in strikeouts. And, um, you know, he overcame alcoholism, which is kind of his his claim to fame. I guess he was a a big-time drunk. And we really talk about uh, his trials and tribulations. And he's got a new book out. So we talk about his book and about his time in the major leagues and time as a high schooler. And it's a really fun interview. So stick around for that. That's coming up. Uh, later in the show next week we have bob beans from ebay bob is director of trading cards at ebay and that's kind of like uh, my dream job if it wasn't for uh, if it wasn't the uh general manager for the boston red sox it would be director of trading cards for ebay because i know <laughs> that is that is just a great job don't you think drew yeah i mean that's a great title right there Well, Bob will be joining us next week, but this week, as I said, we have uh, Sam McDowell uh, joining us, and we'll have him uh, later in the program. And, Drew, we also have all our regular segments, right? We do, indeed. We've got Baker's Dozen giving you a full recap of the hobby news
2: from the past week. We've got our new segment, More From Less, with Les Wolf joining us here for about 15 minutes or so. We've got Making the Grade. We'll talk about everything going on in the card grading community. We've got our stamp of approval, where Jeff and I will both give our thumbs up to – Something that we found this week, typically off-topic a little bit, but still fun to get out there. We've got the Vern Rap Minute, which covers any kind of celebrity and athlete and political deaths from the from the previous week, and of course, what you're all here for: our TTM returns.
1: Yeah, we got it. We had some. We had a good week, not a great week, but we had a good. I would say we had an average week in returns. A lot of stuff going on. Sent out a lot of uh, TTM requests. I know you did too, Drew. Guys, uh, if you want to send us comments, let us know how good we're doing, how bad we're doing. Suggestions, uh, uh, things you like about the show, things you don't like about the show. If you uh, have uh, suggestions about guests, if you uh, want a a question for one of our guests or or a question for Les Wolf, uh, you just email us. And you can email us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Or you can text us at 978- seven two nine zero six 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 two. That's seven nine seven eight seven two nine zero six six two or email us at ttmcast at yahoo.com and, and Drew, we're gonna get right into Baker's Dozen.
0: Baker's Dozen sponsored by sportscollectorsdaily
1: baker's dozen is a new summary of what's been going on in the hobby and it just seems it, it, i'm amazed at how uh, every week when we when we start putting together the segment there's just so much stuff going on and we just a couple things that you know, some housekeeping things that i want to let people know before we get into the news segment um I just want to make sure everyone is aware that I am writing a weekly TTM and autograph collecting column on Sports Collectors Daily. It usually posts like Monday or Tuesday, beginning of the week. Check it out, sportscollectorsdaily.com. You can type in, I think it's like TTM collecting or TTM news or something like that. You can find uh, all the old articles I've got. Three so far and we're going to be doing this on a weekly basis kind of a summary of what's been going on on the show as well as what's going on in uh, ttm and autograph collecting so i hope you enjoy that check that out let me know your your thoughts if you have any suggestions for that send me an email on that as well also i was a guest uh, of john and john newman on sports card nation uh this week so check out his podcast it, it posted uh, post every uh friday and i we john and i talked uh collecting and, and podcasting and all sorts of stuff so check out uh, sports card nation this week i was a guest so john thank you for having me and uh one other thing is uh, i mentioned this last week but uh, sam mcdowell asked me to spread the word that he's now charging 20 dollars per autograph for cards he's charging a little more for uh, magazines and uniforms and stuff but 20 dollars for cards listen to my interview with sam and you get his his whole um new price pricing structure but sam wanted me to let everyone know that he is now charging 20 dollars so that's a lot of stuff and drew we have some some uh earth shattering news right this this is a break, breaking news breaking news right we do yeah so uh this week it was
2: announced between uh, fanatics and hasbro going into a joint venture and they're bringing back starting lineup figures after being gone for about 21 years now last ones came out in the early 2000s there but Anybody out there that's been a collector anywhere between the late 80s to the early 2000s there probably remembers those, you know, little five-inch plastic figures. Well, they're going to be finally making their return. I haven't heard any specifics as to the uh, what sports are going to be involved in there, but when Hasbro first started doing it, I mean, they were involved in all four major sports. So I'm hoping it'll be kind of the same thing here this time around, but I'm
1: definitely excited to see these making, uh, making a comeback again. Yeah, well, Hasbro, I mean, Fanatics has, I think, everything but hockey, right? So I would assume that it's going to be basketball football and baseball anyway and uh my wife is probably the the person that hates this news the most because then we don't need more stuff brought into the house but i'm i'm kind of excited hopefully they they uh they're cool like they were when we were younger and, and it's great to see them back uh just i'm gonna follow this one under the fanatics effect we're gonna say uh, this is this is a good thing uh wawa food marks which is in kind of the uh New Jersey, Philadelphia area. They're a convenience store, uh, kind of like Circle K. And um, 7-Eleven is also there. There's rumors that they are both starting to sell uh, baseball cards, Topps cards, and, and that's good. Anytime you get uh, cards into the market, and I think Fanatics is one of their things, is to make distribution easier and make it easier for collectors to get cards. I was actually in a Walmart today, and they had a lot of uh, heritage and a, a lot of Topps cards there. So it was good to see that there is a lot of cards out there. Now, as a collector, that's a good thing. But an investor, it might not be. So we'll we'll, we'll see how it all falls out, right, Drew? But I, I think it's good.
2: I definitely think so. I mean, the, the easier it is for collectors to be able to access cards, the better. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, it was every week I'd take my allowance down to either, either the local Kmart or this little shop in the mall, Joey's Candies, sold cards. There's the Convenient Food Mart and the Dairy Mart, both just a mile up the road from me. Every week, one of those places would be getting all my money for my allowance there to buy cards. So it's good to see them in Wawa and Seven Eleven again, and hopefully that's going to be stick around for a while. And hopefully people are able to uh, support that as well. Might get some more kids back into collecting. Might even get some more uh, get some adults who were collectors as kids and remembered seeing those as kids that
1: uh, see them and get back into it again. Yeah, I mean, I think kids on a whole don't care about the investment factor of it, right? They just want to yeah. get the cards. They want to get the the cards they like and. and- trade and play have fun with their friends so that's a good thing well we had another record breaker in the the auction world huh we did bowman chrome red refractor of vlad guerrero jr
2: autographed as well so a nice high-end card right there but graded a beckett 10 on both the card and the autograph so big name big card autographed went for five hundred and fifty two thousand dollars at auction this week so another half million dollar card there that came out in just the last couple of years so really big stuff there to be found here uh here lately
1: yeah and and uh those weren't high-end packs right bowman 19 uh 2019 or 2018 weren't really high-end packs so you could you could pick those up in a, in a hobby box or a blaster box right and they would just it was just something that, that was a, a short print insert
2: it was yeah i mean you could find those easily in walmart at times even so yeah, I mean that's it's crazy the kind of stuff you can find just you know randomly like that. I mean you just have to look at like Mike Trout's rookie card for example that came out of Topps Update in 2011. Well, you could find Topps Update blasters marked down half price in like 2012 for just so they could get rid of them. And I'm sitting here going, God, I wish I picked some of those up, but no, no, no I know, totally you missed me- out on that
1: you and me both well we have some national news as well and drew and i will be attending the national atlantic city at the end of july and uh they they got a lot of uh they go lot of guys that are signing they, they made an announcement of a lot of guys that will be signing at the show yeah put out a whole bunch of
2: names in the football world here especially thurman thomas vinnie testaverde jason taylor jamal lewis jim kelly oj anderson and barry sanders all have been added to the autograph list along with some big baseball names as well. Goose Gossage is going to be there, Steve Garvey, uh, Dave Parker, Chuck Knobloch. And finally, the biggest thing for me is the VIP autograph signers. Of course, I've got the VIP pass. I know, Jeff, you've got one there as well. So, add it to the list of guys that we're going to be seeing there. It's going to be Roy White, Bill Madlock, uh, Milt Thompson, Al Bumbury, and Art Shamsky in the baseball world. And from football, you've got a former Eagles, I believe, linebacker, Bill Berge, and the legendary – Washington Kicker, Mark Mosley, both are going to be there as well. So getting uh, getting more full there on the list of the VIP signers. Definitely happy to see all that. But if you need autograph tickets, May 26th is the date that those go on sale. The show, of course, is in Atlantic City, July 27th through the 31st. And if you need more info, you can always check out their website. That is nsccshow.com.
1: Yeah. And I think the VIP tickets are still available as well as regular general admission tickets. The super VIP tickets I think are sold out, but um, I think it's going to be a great show in New York City, Philadelphia proximity. I think there's going to be a a lot of uh, East Coast stuff there. Unfortunately, we'll probably see a lot of Yankee stuff, Drew, but (laughs) the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is I'm hoping to see some hockey
2: stuff there because Every national I've been to before this has been in Cleveland and Cleveland is not a hockey market at all. So any of the hockey dealers are just like, forget it. We're not going to show up at all signers. they never have any hockey players signing. It seems like other than like they had Bobby Hall a few years ago, but that's about it. So I'm hoping to see more hockey stuff. Maybe I can finally knock out some of the sets I'm working on and probably not too likely. I mean, I've got some big names in a couple of those, but maybe I can at least put a little chip away at the stone, just a little bit more there.
1: Yeah, I was at the the um, Rich Altman show this past, a couple weekends ago in, in uh, Wilmington, and there was a ton of hockey stuff. So I'm sure some of the Boston deals will be be down there. I know there's a, a couple guys in the Philly area that I'm sure will be there. So it, it's really a great show. So uh, check it out. It's, you can all the information on the national is at NSCCShow.com. Check it out. Uh, we got some new releases we want to make everyone aware of. Uh, Panini 2021 Prism Collegiate draft pick baseball that's right 2021 panini prism college draft pick baseball there are five packs per box eight cards per pack there's five autographs five silver prism and five inserts and you get you get that for about 125 dollars. so this is kind of um you know a futures futures buy right you don't know some of these guys might turn into be, be the next mike trout or or um Bobby Witt Jr. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a nice product. You know, you know I'm not sure. Prism, Prism has the, um, the rights, the logo rights in for Collegiate, Picole, right? Yes, it's a Collegiate product. So anybody
2: who is drafted out of college can have their logos on there. High schools, it's a little bit kind of a tougher situation there. Some of them will, some of them won't. But, yeah, I mean, anybody that's in there from a college, it's going to be right on there. So uh, definitely better than having, you know, shopped out of there and everything. So I definitely like that.
1: Yeah, Tops had a uh, had a cool release the other day as well.
2: Yeah, this is a, definitely a product for the gambler out there. It's a one pack per box, one card per pack. Topps Archives Signature Baseball. It's got active players on their Tops and Bowman cards. Runs ninety dollars there, so you're guaranteed an autograph. You just don't know what you're going to get. So definitely a gamble there, but ninety dollar product there. So it's not a. Uh, it's kind of higher end for considering you're getting just one card out of it. But hey, you hit a big one, and suddenly that thing's paid for itself and then some.
1: Yeah, I saw a, a case break of it, so it was 20 boxes, and um, it, they had a run of like five one-of-one one cards in there, wow. so that was pretty good, and the, the autographs are, you know, again, some of them are okay, some are, are are not so great, and it is a lottery ticket, you know, just as long as you go in, uh, you know, not realizing that you you might not get your money back on, on this product, and you want to, you know, you want to take a shot at it for fun, or you want to buy into a break, feel, feel free, it's not I haven't bought them in the past. I know they when I when they first came out, they were like sixty dollars, I think, when they first started, yeah. and now they're up to ninety dollars. I remember last year, I think they were eighty dollars. So uh, ninety dollars for for one autograph card. I don't know. I think I'd rather just go buy the the take the ninety dollars and buy the card that I really want. You know, right? Yep. <laughs> but people like it, and it's it is a lottery ticket. So best of luck. This one's for the kids. Chops. I I love this uh, set that tops comes out with the each year there was a delay this year i think because of, of um getting paper and the, there's still a shortage of paper out there but it, it, we're talking about the tops 2021 this is tops 2021 tops big league baseball there's 300 cards in the set it's really uh, a, a set for kids there's 10 uh, cards per pack 18 packs per box and you can get a box for 50 which isn't in which is a low price uh, entry fee for for kids they also have a collector box where you can get uh five uh packs of cards with t- 10 uh cards per pack and the, you also get an action figure which is kind of cool and those only go for about 30 bucks so uh this is really for the kiddos and uh it's good to see that tops is still continuing with um w- w- with cards for entry level for the youngsters yeah definitely i've always
2: appreciated that and it seems like a lot of brands really try to keep at least one or two products out there for the kids and that really seems to help things out Um, One product that's not quite so much for the kids here. That's uh, coming out. Just hit the shelves today. 2021 Panini Phoenix football. One of the late 2021 releases there. You're going to get 12 packs per box and five cards per pack in that. That's going to be a loaded box. So they get two autographs, one memorabilia card, nine numbered parallels, nine inserts, and 12 rookies there. So a whole lot of stuff going on in there. Nice variety of stuff runs for
1: about 475 to 500 for a box of that. Very cool. Well, guys, that wraps up Baker's dozen for the week and we're going to go right into uh, our, our new segment which is more with less
0: and now it's time for more from less with hobby legend Les wolf
1: well this week uh, Les wolf joins us to talk about uh, collecting like why do you collect why why are you collecting why you should collect how how you can get the most out of collecting and it's really interesting to talk to somebody who's been collecting uh cards and autographs for over 60 years less has been uh is a uh, hobby legend and we talked to less about uh, just collecting in general so enjoy my, my, our, our talk with uh less wolf guys it is time for more from less my favorite new segment on the show we are joined by less wolf less is a pioneer in the autograph collecting business has been collecting autographs for over 60 years and we're just gonna uh tackle one subject each week each every other week i should say and this week we're just going to talk about why do people collect why, what what uh makes people collect and, and uh how you you can categorize your, your collection so les why don't we why don't we just uh, jump right into it okay
3: absolutely way to go jeff well wh- Hope what, you jeff- had a good week i look for i look forward to always talking to you it's always fun I-
1: I did. I I love uh, tapping into your brain and and learning from your expertise and and you are the man. So, you know, well, before we start getting into uh, some real deep subjects in the next couple of weeks, I just really want to talk. We want to talk about, you know, what drives people to collect and, and, uh, you know, what brings you uh, you specifically as a collector to the hobby?
3: You know what? I look at it this way. The way I started collecting is probably the same way a lot of people out there started collecting. I started collecting newspapers as a little kid, a little six-year-old. I lived in an apartment with my parents in Forest Hills. It was a one-bedroom apartment. My mom was a real need freak. May she rest in peace. So what I did was I took those newspapers, the Yankee newspapers, hid them under a radiator underneath the steps, and they lasted for a couple of months. And that's how I started collecting. Then I started collecting cards. I mean, every collector, I think almost just about starts collecting cards. I started collecting Yankees and other cards. And then I started, uh, I actually liked Willie May. I, I'm a big Mano fan, but I really liked Mays better as an athlete, a much better athlete. So I collected all the Mays cards I could get. But then all of a sudden I said to myself, what the heck, you know, I'm a Yankee fan. I'm just going to trade all my Mays cards. I collected Mantle cards. So I started with the Mantle cards. Then in the summer of 68, all my friends used to go get autographs at the Jets at Hofstra. I grew up in Palminock, which is in the projects in Queens, across from Queens College in Flushing. And I said to myself, OK, let me go down and check out why everybody wants to collect autographs. Well, you know what? I went down there. First autograph I ever got was Billy Joe, a running back on the 68 Jet team. And then I met Namath. And at that time, I was a giant fan. I, was like, I liked all the New York teams, but I didn't like uh, the Jets. Well, I met Namath, and that kind of changed my whole life. Made in went went from going to a winning football team like the Giants and becoming a Jet fan, which which I still regret. But I started collecting name it stuff, and from there in, in the early seventies, I saw that Muhammad Ali uh, had just lost to Joe Frazier. It was the, the fight of the century. Broke his jaw. I was and I'm a one of my senior in in high school. And I'm getting autographs of baseball and football, and, that, and I started getting teams and players, and I just enjoyed meeting the athletes. Well, I met Ali after he broke his jaw. I saw his picture in the paper, and I said, let me go down to the New York hotel. Well, little did I know that when I went down to the, uh, to the hotel, that I had my picture in the paper. And I, the only time I've ever cut school in my life, my picture is in the daily news. And I said, oh crap, so I have to hide that daily news from my parents which I didn't tell them for a couple of years later. Then I showed it to them. So I, oh, I cut. you know, they, you know, at that time, they didn't mind because they didn't know when it actually did it. So that was fine. But I started collecting boxing and co- collecting Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali and I, I was very fortunate to establish a relationship with him. One of the nicest men I've ever met in professional sports. I, I used to trade him pictures. I remember I, I read up on him and he collected, he loved, he loved Sugar Ray Robinson. That's his favorite boxer. So I gave him a Sugar Ray Robinson autograph. In 96, I was contacted by Howard Bingham and TNT. I did a special with him where all my memorabilia, my signed stuff and some of the programs I had. So I started collecting Ali. And then I I said to him, I was collecting baseball. All the Hall of Famers on yellow Hall of Fame plaques, which I recommend everybody to collect that because some of them are cheaper. The the newer guys are more expensive. Like Jeter is going to be an expensive plaque, but that's an attainable goal except for Fox and Goslin and Campanella. Most of those are fairly reasonable. You can get them. But I figured that was a definite way to get all the Hall of Famers and it wouldn't be that expensive. As long as you don't go after the real tough ones, the, You know, the obscure guys that only played a few games or played in the Negro Leagues so where their autographs are impossible. So I started collecting the Hall of Fame placards. And from there, I said, okay, what else can I complete? So I collect every Heisman Trophy winner. The hardest one being Nile Kinnick. I have, book, I have a book signed by every Heisman Trophy winner that was alive when the book came out. And I started doing that. So I clicked, now remember I clicked and Ali, I clicked all the Heisman Trophy winners, all the yellow Hall of Fame placards. And then I decided, let me, you know, another, and I always watch boxing with my dad. I said, the baseball Hall of Famers is virtually impossible to get every Hall of Famers autograph. And I tried for, I built major collections of major dealers and collectors and celebrity out, out celebrities out there. But I said, I'll never complete that. I completed a black and white black collection for two different clients of mine. I said, I'm not, I'm, I am not i do not want to do that. It'd be too costly and I didn't have the money. So I said, let me get every heavyweight champion. So I have in my collection, with one exception, every heavyweight champion that ever since John L. Sullivan the present, everyone on a signed photo, except for Marvin Hart, who's one of the most impossible autographs to find. So I collect all the heavyweight champions. But I, would I stress to people, when I do my lecture, collect, invest, protect and preserve memorabilia, I stress to people, collect what you like. When you go to your first baseball game, you remember the first time you ever went somewhere, you find an athlete or somebody that you idolize and somebody you like, and collect that person's stuff. And don't worry about whether or not they're a Hall of Famer or anything, just, just collect because you like to. Because too much of in our, ho- in our hobby is, are collectors out there that don't, they just do it for the money. I started out not doing it for the money and and I still collect it, not for the money. I collect for what I like. And that's the key to everybody's collection. Because once you collect stuff that you like and you enjoy, it, it doesn't become, it's not really a business. It's still something you enjoy. So I separate that from the business. And one of the main reasons why I had to become a dealer because I needed to afford my addiction of collecting autographs. I'd, get, I'd try to get at least two autographs of everybody I got I try to give them pictures of something that they'd remember me by and be nice to me so I've always had that model and that's what I've always done and always you know you got to make sure you collect with a, the proper pen on whatever whatever the items you're getting signed whether it be a, a baseball you want to get it on the sweet spot you don't want to touch all the white panels you want to touch red panels preferably wear a glove you an ex, use an extra fine point blue pen on that you can use stadler pens on on baseball cards first you got to you got to erase the glare on the um the film on there, either with baby powder or a towel or something, and usually get a stadler pen. Sharpies sometimes don't work on those. And and on photos also, I usually like to use a blue stadler on that. And the uh, tops and upper deck and all the card companies, they use stabler pens on all their items when they get them signed. And what
1: were you gonna say I was gonna say uh collecting is uh should be a personal thing right because we have all these these new collectors into to the hobby in the last year or two and there you know there's a lot of people out there that are just collecting to flip to to make a make a buck on it and i think what you're you're suggesting Mm -hmm. and i totally agree is that that you make it a personal thing so it's more enjoyable
3: exactly like i like i i did something that i recommend everybody out there to do that it was one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done in my life. I have two young boys at the time and my wife would take off from her job. And what we do every time in the summer after the kids went to the sleepaway camp and went to camp, we did different stadiums in different cities. So maybe we try to stay at the hotels and I'm friends with some of the athletes, one's the manager still now. And I try to stay at those hotels and get, get, take the kids and get their autographs. And we'd go to the stadium and wait for autographs, wait for foul balls. It, it, it just made it so much fun. My oldest son, Bradley, at that time, you know, he got he, he really loved pizza. He was a very finicky eater, so he'd find the best. He'd go on Yelp and find the best pizza places in every city we went to. Well, meanwhile, we've gone. I, I can't even count how many pizza places we've been in our lifetime, but it, it just made everything so family, so much enjoyable. Now, my kids, you know, we were lucky. We were at one of the first games that Trout was at. And he signed autographs off the field. And that was great. You know, meeting all these guys on the field when you were able to get close to them it was so much fun. And I, all the stuff my kids got, I let, you know, I kept, I've gotten a lot of stuff for them. And it, it really, really bonds your family together, especially if you like sports. Thank God my kids did like sports and they played it. My wife would just, would just be like the food getter. You know, she's okay. What's everybody want? You know, while we sit and watch the game, she'd like to walk around and and get the food, so that, that was really fun. But I, as far as the flippers, I understand what you're doing. It's, it's, it, it's, pro- it's all for money. It's profitable. You gotta get, you gotta get the, the best of the best when, you, when you're looking for investment stuff, which I've helped dealers and collectors get that stuff. I mean, everybody collects something, and that's one of my mottos. Whenever I do a, a lecture, if a woman comes, you know, with a husband's collection that passed away, or, she, or wants to sell something, And she says she doesn't collect, I guarantee you she collects something. Anything that's more than one is a collection. I had a woman come to one of my lectures, uh, an older woman, uh, her husband passed away. I didn't know that until later on. Her son sent her to find out what the collection was worth and how to evaluate it. Well, I don't collect anything, she said to me. Well, to this day, I'll remember her forever. She had a St. Anthony's medal that she had in her pocket that had a little loop on it, a small little medal, and that she remembered her husband used to carry it around with him all the time. I believe he carried around during the war. And I said to her once I don't remember her name. Let's just call her Susan. I said, Susan, you have a little loop in, the, in this medal. Why don't you wear it around your neck? You know, this way you'll remember it and this way you don't have to worry about losing it. She never thought of that. You know, I think I definitely, t- it touched her, but you know what, it touched me more. She let me hold it and this is something that was sacred to her. So not everything in life that you collect has to be worth something. As long as it means something to you and your family or you, it, it, it's, it's what collecting is really all about. And, and I think that's very important when you're collecting stuff. Don't look at it for the money. Just look at it how much you can enjoy it. You know, try to look at it. And th- that's the main thing.
1: Well said. Well, we're speaking with Les Wolf. Les is, of course, a uh, pioneer in autograph collecting and sports memorabilia. You can, if you have a question for Les, you can send it to us at ttmcast at yahoo.com or directly to Les at Wolf. 1823 at AOL.com and we are gonna have speak with Les every other week. Our next uh segment with Les is gonna be on our May 8th show, and we are gonna talk about how to protect your collectible to protect your collection to against water, against sunlight, against smoke, and all the uh other stuff that is out there that might harm your collection. We're gonna to talk to Les about that next week. This week we talked about just why you collect, and hopefully you collect for fun and you collect for something that you uh enjoy and, and collect the the thrill of it and make it a personal item that's what uh, a personal collection that les is uh, suggesting and recommending and, and i echo that last anything else you want to add before we let you go
3: well i think next week let's just talk about investing investing but okay. in, in, it's not just money you know protecting and preserving we can do in other episodes i mean that's very very important don't get me wrong but i think the main thing is investing And people don't realize this, and I'm sure you don't even think about it. And I didn't think about it for years, but it really is important. The time we spend to find these athletes, to find their addresses, to find their cards, and to find their books or whatever you want to get signed or photos, that's an investment. And you got to invest in what you like, but you also, if you want to invest properly in certain things, you want to try to get the better, the young prospects, you can, there's just penny stocks, as I call it, and you're speculating. You want to try to get the better players. I mean, you can get your, your average Joes, which are great, and you never know, you know, golf a bit something could happen to, to make their autograph worth a lot of money. But you want to collect, you want to invest the right, you know, we'll go, we'll go into it, but we want to invest the right items to get it signed.
1: All right, guys, you the right any, material. you have any questions for Leslie regarding uh, what to invest and how, how you should invest in your collection, please send your questions to us at ttmcast at yahoo.com, or you can send directly to Leslie at LWolf, that's lwolff F one eight two three 8 2 at AOL.com. Leslie, we will talk to you in two weeks for our May 8th show. You have a, a great uh, show this weekend, and, and be safe, okay? Well, I hope you enjoyed my talk with Les. Uh, if you have any questions for Les, send us to uh, send us an email at ttmcast@yahoo.com, and we'll forward it off to Les. Les is going to be on the show every other week. He'll be on the next show on May eighth, and we're going to talk a little about investing, investing, collecting, and uh, you know how you you can. Best invest in your collection and make the, uh, your collection worthwhile to you and, and maybe in the future even turn a profit to it. So, that we're going to talk with Les next, uh, on May 8th about in, uh, investing. And then every other week, we're going to talk to Les about one uh, subject on collecting and hope you enjoy it. Again, if you have any questions you want to pose to Les or any subjects you'd like to see Les tackle, send me an email at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Well, next up, Drew, we're going to talk contests. So da-da-da, the trumpet, the fanfare. Drew loves when I do the, the, the sound effects. <laughs> well, I gave away a, a, a CSG hat from our friends at CSG. We had Andy Broman last week, who was the uh, vin- vin- senior vintage card grader at uh, CSG, and I want to thank them for donating the hat. And uh, Mike M. from Florida won the hat, so congratulations, Mike. We'll drop that in the mail to you next week, and, and thank you for listening. This week, we're going to give away a uh, C- Sam McDowell autographed book, a copy of Sam, Sam McDowell's brand new book. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to run this, this contest for two weeks to let a lot of people get in, uh, enter into it. So if you want to enter, how do you enter, Drew? That would be ttmcast at
2: yahoo.com. Just send us your name, your mailing address, or you can get in our text line. That is 978-729-0662.
1: Sam's book's really good, and we're going to talk to Sam later in the show. And uh, I read it. It's a great book. Uh, you can, it's available on Amazon and it is called, let's get, let's get the title right. So we, we can, you can find it easily. It's the saga of sudden Sam, the rise fall and redemption of Sam McDowell right here in hard Drew's got one we'll too. Hold copies. Yep. Have you read it yet? I have not. My dad got me a copy of that. And
2: also uh, the ultimate Cleveland Indians time machine book which is written by the co-author of uh, McDowell's book there, Martin Gitlin, who used to write for my hometown paper in uh, Lake County, Ohio. So I've been reading through that uh, Ultimate uh, Time Machine book first there, and then I'm going to go to
1: McDowell's book probably next week. Yeah, well, it's a good book. So guys, if you want to win an autographed copy, uh, Sam is, is, is glad he's going to autograph a copy for us and, and we'll send it off to you. Uh, might be a couple weeks delay before you get it in your hands, but I, I promise it, it'll be a uh, something you can add to your collection just send me an email just say you want to the mcdowell book and send me your name and mailing address ctmcast at yahoo.com well that wraps up contest we're going to go right into making the grade
0: making the grade is brought to you by diamond service grading fast accurate transparent diamond service grading takes the mystery out of grading they proudly have the best encapsulation in the industry with an amazing inner sleeve that not only protects your collectible investment but looks great as well Easy to submit, quick turnaround. DSG Grading is ready to grade your cards today. Visit DSGGrading.com to learn more.
1: So making grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. Just uh, we, made every, we, we announced this last week, but I think it, it's worth noting again, our friends at CSG have a new uh, award that they're uh, launching, and they're calling it the 2022 CSG Registry Awards. And uh, it's the first time ever they're going to be having a CSG Registry Awards. Uh, they have launched the CSG Registry in September of 2021. And all you have to do is just enter uh, CSG. You go to csg.click forward slash awards to register. It's csg.click forward slash awards to register. And you just kind of build your own set, so to speak. It doesn't have to be necessarily a full set. It's just whatever cards you, you've gotten graded. And, and they're going to judge who the, uh, the best sets are. And there's going to be $7,000 worth of, of prizes up for grabs. And they're going to uh, have everything up until uh, July 1st, I, I think. is Yep, July 1st on 2022. Uh, you're automatically uh, edust, or entered to this contest and uh, up until 10, 10 a.m. Eastern on July 1st. And then they're going to announce the winners at the end of July, um, assuming they're going to do it at the National. So we will probably, we'll probably maybe, well, I bet we have the 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 winners on, on the show or we announce the winners for them and um check it out. CSG register awards. at csg.click forward slash awards, right? And you, you just automatically register. Check it out.
2: Got some uh, long awaited news from Beckett. They have opened back up their standard service. So uh, for anyone looking to uh, get their cards great on a little bit of a more affordable price, $30 per card, $50 with subgrades or standard services. Currently they're looking at about a four to five month turnaround on that. So you've been waiting on that. Your prayers have been answered. It's
1: back open. Jump on that now while you can. And here's a message from our friends at DSG. That's diamond service grading DSG DiamondServiceGrading.com. They're offering a $5 discount to anyone. These are for TTM cast listeners only who uses the coupon code for H M U G T Z G. Once again, I'll say it one more time, but it is available on our website, for hmugtzg That gives you $5 off their standard submissions, which is $30 as long as it costs you $25. You can do an unlimited amount of cards. They have all sorts of cool stuff. They have uh, error labels that you can choose from. They have a QR code that you scan the label and use the detail of why your card got the grade. It's really neat. They are still meeting their 30 day turnaround. They've, they've been very busy, but they're still meeting their 30 day turnaround. Uh, give them a try. Diamond Service Grading, DSG Grading. Make sure you use the code 4HMUGTZG. That's a mouthful, Drew. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, well, That's a going on right there. That wraps up making the grade. And we're going to go right into TTM Cast stamp of approval.
0: I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM Cast stamp of approval.
1: Well, Drew, I'm going to let you go first because I know you got food this week and I'm hungry.
2: Yeah, I do. So um, most of the time I try to go with like a restaurant or something like that whenever I go into food. This time it was my wife coming out with some really awesome stuff. So she enjoys baking. She's talking about trying to do a professional a little bit, mostly just does it as a hobby right now and everything. And I mean, my gut right now proves that, yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a hobby that she's got going on there. But this week, uh, she came up with these lemon bars that she made for Easter, and uh, I don't know what she put in them besides lemon and magic, but uh, <laughs> they turned out really, really good. So uh, she had to take like half of them to work. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Whoa, no, I, I'd, I'd like more than just the two I had. She's like, I can, I can make more. I'm like, okay, fine, go ahead. We'll go with that then. So, uh, but yeah, my wife's lemon bars get my uh, stamp of approval for this week, and I mean. I don't know what it is with her and lemon, but if you give her something lemon to bake or make or whatever, she makes absolute magic out of it. And This was just yet another addition to
1: that. Well, rumor has it that Jen sent anyone that wants the recipe. All I have to do is just email you and uh, at ttmcast at uh, at yahoo.com and we'll send out the recipe. Right, Jen? I don't think she can't hear it. I got the <laughs>
2: headphones here. But yeah, she, she, she's giving me the look that's like the, oh, hell no looks. I think she knows exactly what she said. And I think, honestly, if she were to give the recipe out, she would just say, lemons,
1: magic, you figure it out. So there you go. And a little bit of love. Well, yeah. thanks, Drew. I'm glad glad you got it. You got him in time for your birthday. Yeah. My, my TTM cast stamp of approval is going to these new cards that I discovered, I don't know, about a week and a half ago. They're called Flair Authentics cards. I don't know if you've seen them before. And uh, draw, hold up one. I just, I just got a um, a Mania Ramirez one today, and it has uh, this one has a bat. See it as many, it's like a relic nice. card, so it yeah. has a bat on, bat on it, and that, that the other ones have a uniform, but it also has like a replica of a, the ticket. Like this has a Red Sox ticket in it. Okay,
2: yeah. I think I've so, seen a couple, I've seen some of the base ones that don't have the uh, jersey piece or bat
1: piece like that in them. But yeah. Yeah, so okay. that's the ones that I like. So I I got I got that Manny card, I think for $3 on eBay. And I got I got a Pager one for like $6. I got a Roger Clement one that I can't find for like $4. <laughs> I got a Nomar one. I just, I also got, um, I got a Drew Bledsoe one for $7. And I got this Antoine Walker one. That has a uniform and the Celtic ticket for yes. like three for like three dollars. I'm just in love with these cards. So they came out, I think it's like 2002 to 2008. I think it's when they, they they came out, and they are there's all sorts of ones out there in terms of you know, got uh, I saw a David Robinson one, and they have uh, the Tom Brady one was was like 300, dollars but oh, yeah. um, you know, most of them are pretty affordable. So uh, I, I'm gonna give my thumbs up to these flare. Authentics cards they're they no longer make them anymore um uh, but check it out they're on ebay they're pretty affordable uh, i know for some reason memorabilia cards the cards with memorabilia on it the uniforms or the bats don't hold the value but i don't really care i think they're really cool i actually i i, uh, I framed a couple up and uh i just really like them yeah, they're always fun to check out, and I mean, they're, they uh, someone can make
2: some really great autograph items as well. I've gotten a few signed over the years, but yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of it is just that it used to be that when you got a memorabilia card from a pack, when they first came out, they were like, what, a case hit there and upper deck stuff? And then suddenly you know Pacific comes in, they decide, oh, we're going to make it one per box. So now we're going to make one that's one per pack, and then it becomes something that you expect in every single pack just about now. So I think that's part of why it's kind of dropped out and everything, but hey, I still
1: like them too, so. I'm right there yeah. I mean, you. you, you know, you can get like a David Ortiz or even a Derek Jeter for under 10 or $15. A, and some of them are even cheaper than that. I mean, I, I got a Pedro, I think for $7 or $6. I got a Drew Bledsoe one. That was the most expensive one I bought for, for uh, $7. And I think that's a good deal. I mean, it's, you know, you buy a, a blaster box now for $25 and you never, you know, what are you going to get in it, in it? You know, and th- these are just like, okay, for, for, for the, the for the cost of one blaster box i can get two or three of these cards and i get the exact guys i want it's really yeah, cool exactly so, flare authentics that is my stamp uh, sample approval for this week um i think that kind of that wraps up the sample approval and we're going to go right into the burn wrap minute Well, the Vern Rapp Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rapp, who passed away prior to me sending out a TTM request. And we do this as a service to our fellow TTMers uh, to let people know who passed away in the world of sports and celebrity, uh, just so they're not embarrassed by sending out a TTM request. Some, some of the guys that passed away were TTMers and, and some were not. But these are all people that played professionally or, or were uh, you know celebrities in one way or another. So the first one, um, we, not, we lost another AFLer. Uh, Daryl LaMonica. He was known as the Mad Bomber, and Howard Cosell actually gave him the nickname. He was 80 years old. He played uh, college ball at Notre Dame. He played from 1963 to 1974. He started with the uh, Buffalo Bills in the AFL, and he was uh, Jack Kemp's backup, and he got traded to the Oakland Raiders, and that's where he really shined. He was a two-time All-Pro, a five-time Pro Bowler. He was the 1967 AFL player of the year he played in super bowl two in 1967 uh and he was you know he was a he was a, a a gunslinger he was the first gunslinger for al davis right he's the guy that kind of uh gave oakland their um you know their their uh what do you call it their identity right as a, a team that like to pass and throw the ball uh, and uh he wasn't a ttmer uh but you know we're we're, we're sorry to see somebody from any any of the AFL guys, the the you know the few and far between now, and Dal Dow, Almonico was eighty years old.
2: It's definitely a passing league, and he was one of the first to really uh, really embrace that. There, uh, another NFL death from this week: a uh, Chip Myrtle, linebacker for the uh, Broncos and the Chargers from nineteen sixty seven to seventy four. Also played a college ball for the uh, Maryland Terrapins. Uh, he died at seventy seven this week. He was a TTM, or you could have uh, accessed him by mail up until. Recently, obviously there, but uh, yeah, we uh, just lost him this week as well.
1: Yeah, we lost Ed Jasper. Ed Jasper was a tackle for Philadelphia Eagles, Atlanta Falcons, and last year with the Oakland Raiders. He played at Texas A&M. Uh, he was young. He, he played from 1997 to 2005, and he was only 49 years old. Another fairly young one, this time in the world of hockey, Tom McCarthy, age
2: 61, played all throughout the 80s, 1980 to 88, as a left wing uh, mostly played with the North Stars and the Bruins, 146 career goals. So pretty solid player there in that time. Kind of surprised he was not a TTM signer at all, but uh, yeah, he was, I mean, North Stars and Bruins are, that's, I mean, Bruins are your hometown team. The North Stars, of course, have a cult following after they left Minnesota, but yeah, he died at uh, age 61 this past week.
1: Yeah. I looked at his career. He was one of those, you know, cause he played for the Bruins. So I, I remembered him and, you d- didn't realize he was a pretty good uh, goal scorer in his day. He he had one year. I think he had thirty nine goals. He had uh, a few years that he was over twenty. Um, and I remember being, him being a solid player. So uh, you know, it's too bad when, when when guys that you follow. You know, I followed him obviously in the eighties, and uh, he. Was, I remember him him as being a solid player, but I, I was surprised he wasn't a TTM as well. The last one, this one kind of hits home for both Drew and I. Um, a great TTM or a friend of the hobby. Uh, He just passed away today, and we're talking about uh, Guy Lafleur, the flower. He was 70 years old. He was a five-time Stanley Cup champion. He uh, was elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1988. He played for the Montreal Canadiens, the New York Rangers, and the Quebec Nordiques. He played the last two years with Quebec. He had 560 career goals. He's certainly in the top 10 all-time hockey players, and probably one or two in terms of TTMers, in terms of, uh, signing and signing quick and being gracious and gracious to his fans. Uh, unfortunately, he was a chain smoker in back in his day and it kind of caught up with him. He passed away from from lung cancer. I just saw probably what maybe two months ago. Right, Drew, we, we reported this, that he was no longer signing because he he was quite ill. But, yeah, uh, I was about.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about a month or two or so. And they I, he was supposed to have a private signing coming up in that time, too. And I don't know if they conducted that at all or not. But, yeah, I know he cut off TTM's back.
1: I want to say yeah, February, March, somewhere in there. But he was he was a great TTM, I, I think I got two or two or three things signed from him uh, uh, on two different occasions. So uh, it, it, it's it's nice that I had a chance to add it to my collection. But uh, a, as an opponent, you know, he was respected. I kind of I kind of like him him a little to uh, Derek Jeter as a Yankee. You know, what I mean, I I respected Derek Jeter as a Yankee. I hated going to get up against him. Same thing with Guy Lafleur, with the Montreal Canadiens. I hated the Canadians and I hated going up against Guy Lafleur, but I certainly respected him because boy, could he skate. And he was, he was a hell of a player. He's one of only
2: two players I can think of who, pl- who played in the NHL after being elected to the hall of fame. Cause uh, you know, he retired, got into the hall of fame, then made that comeback with uh, Quebec there around like, I want to say 89 to 91, somewhere in that range there. So uh, he and Mario Lemieux are the only two that I can think of who did that. But uh yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, one of the best ever. He was one of the first group of, he was among the first group that I ever mailed off to Canada. This is talking back, like back in 1997 or so. sent off to him, a couple of guys who were playing for Vancouver and uh, both the Richard brothers around that time. And, uh, but yeah, he was, I mean, he was always great about responding for, you know, several decades there at least, and probably even longer than that. But uh, yeah, great signer, great friend of the hobby and definitely gonna be sorely missed.
1: Yeah. Annie was also a quick turnaround. It was, yeah. uh, I, I think the first time I sent it to him, I probably got it back in less than a week and that was going to Canada. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just, it was really quick. So uh, our condolences go out to all friends and family of anyone that has lost anyone this week. We are certainly sorry for your loss and, uh, you know, Guy Lafleur hits home because obviously growing up, he was a, uh, I, I was a huge fan of his. And uh, as a TTMer, it was, it, it was a, a shock when I saw that he passed away today. We're gonna go right into our TTM returns for the week. Coming up the next is TTM returns.
0: Now is the time to submit your sports cards to CSG. CSG offers some of the fastest turnaround times in the industry at the most affordable prices, ranging from three to 45 business days and grading fees as low as $12 per card. Take advantage of the improved turnaround times and get your cards back in your hands with the new CSG label faster than ever go to csgcards.com for details
1: well guys this is why we do it right drew this is why we, we, we do all this ttm stuff and all the silliness because we love getting the mail we love getting our autographs back drew why don't you take away why don't you why don't you handle your returns first all
2: right yeah i had a pretty short week but some nice names in there at the very least uh, i don't know if i mentioned these ones last week but Back on the 15th, I was able to get Byron Hanspard and uh, Rysel Iglesias, both back. Hanspard, of course, running back for the Falcons and a Texas Tech. Iglesias is the closer for the Angels, one of the few current players who will sign by mail and even sign during the season. I mean, a lot of guys, if they sign, they're going to get their stuff and save it until like October. So you can get him back in a couple of weeks turnaround just about any time during the season. Uh, Further into this week, I got Sandy Whittall, former pitcher for the Cleveland Indians in the early 80s. He's on the 81 Tops uh, Indians Future Stars card with Chris Bando and Tom Brennan. You may remember I got both of them earlier on this year, and so I uh, added Whittall to finish that uh, trio off on there. And got two in the mail today, one of them being Archie Manning. Took about a, a two- or three-week turnaround on that one. And Hall of Fame offensive lineman from the L.A. Rams, Tom Mack. It was both set out the same day, so about two- or three-week turnarounds on those ones. Uh, what did you get Archie in- Manning on? I got him on, I believe it's a 97 uh, playoff or 97, the 20, uh, 2017 uh, Panini playoff card. Okay, cool. Unfortunately, he signed it on like the darkest part of the card. He's wearing these black pants on the jersey. He signed it right over those. I'm looking at him like, oh, yeah, all right. He did sign it. Cool. All right. That's great. But so, yeah, if you're sending RG Manning, find a card of him in a white jersey, white pants, gold pants, something like that, just to help yourself out right there. Uh, well, mailing good. out of what's that? It's good to see that he's still signing. It is, exactly. I will take it. I mean, I even if I tilt him to the light to see it, I'm happy to get that one back. Uh, mailed out a few as well. Going to take a chance on Aaron Judge. I've seen a few that he'll he'll usually wait until like February or March to send everything back. Like right when spring trading is starting is when he sends everything back. But I figure, you know what, I'm going to send him out now, get him out a couple of cards for my uh, heritage set if I can. Uh, Sent also to Craig Paquette because I'm working on a, a quad card that he's on. And I'm trying a Vita Blue one more time. I mailed to him back in August with uh, it was four cards and $40 and I never got anything back. And it looks like there's a whole bunch of people that mailed to him at around that time and never got anything back. So I'm mailing him with a lengthy letter saying, look, um, I mailed you these cards with $40. I just collect for myself. I don't have the ability to put in another 40 bucks again on this. Would you mind signing them? I don't know if it got lost in the mail on its way to you or back from you or anything like that. But hey, if you wouldn't mind, Look, this, I mean, please help me out here. So we'll see what happens with Vita Blue right there. Um, I was sending to Morton Anderson and Keith Jackson at $5 each, Dwayne Thomas, former uh, Cowboys running back, and a few outside the big four sports. You've got uh, Hannah Storm, Eric Hayden, Shannon Miller, and NASCAR racers Denny Hamlin and William Bryan. They're all getting requests as well. So we'll see what happens there. Sending out that's uh, 11 total this week.
1: Nice. Very good. I, I actually sent out uh, three today. I sent out Ken Houston from the Redskins. I sent out 10 bucks to him. I sent out um, Joe Carter, who the elusive Joe Carter for me. I don't know why. I, this is my second time. So I sent out him once when I didn't realize he was charging. and He sent my cards back and then I sent out um, money to him with two cards. Never got anything back. And I'm, I'm going to take I'm taking one more shot. I sent out two cards to him. with with, uh 10 bucks so we'll see if we get that back and then i sent out who's my third guy i and again and i sent them to oh randy white from the dallas cowboys so i sent out a card to him with 10 bucks we'll see i don't you know i'm taking a shot on that one i i had i bought a bunch of 1980 tops football cards at the show a couple weeks ago when he was in there i was like i'll I'll give it a shot We'll we'll take a shot at him but i got some i got some returns this week i got a Dave Thorcheck, who played for the Virginia Squires and he played for the Portland trailblazers. And uh, he, ha- I was surprised. He was on the uh, 1977 trailblazer team that won the championship and his number got retired by the trailblazers. I didn't, I didn't realize that. So he played with the Virginia Squires. I sent out a 74 75 uh, tops card of him as a Virginia Squire and he signed it in a uh, black Sharpie. Uh, not bad. Again, kind of like your, um, Archie Manning, it's kind of it's a little dark, but yeah, we got it back. This one, this one hurts. I sent out Mike Kruko a while ago, a long while ago. And he's catching up on his mail, but he's not catching up very well because I I'm probably like the fourth or fifth person that I've seen this happen to. So he sent me back an upper deck card, signed in pen, black pen. It's not the card I sent him. He didn't send it back in, in the top loader that I had sent him. I needed the 78 card for my set. Didn't get the '78 card back, so if you get a Mike Croco '1978 card signed, let me know. I need it for my set. <laughs> <laughs> but I got an Upper Deck card, so I, I, I guess that's a win. But we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna say that that's kind of out. That one hurt.
2: Yeah,
1: I got Steve Ranko on a '1980 Topps card. He pitched for the Montreal Expos and the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. I was going through cards and I saw this, and I said, "Oh, he Steve Ranko signs." So I sent it out and he sent he signed it back uh, pretty quickly. Uh in blue sharpie, kind of over where his signature would was its facility signature was on the bottom. So it it, it goes in the collection. Yeah. I got uh Dave Robish Robish? Dave Robish, who played for the Denver Nuggets back in the day on the 74-75 card. I didn't realize I had sent him back a while ago. So this is a dupe double. So if you need one, let me know. I got a double. I got a double for somebody. But it is signed in, signed in a nice blue Sharpie, and the card's in great shape. I sent this one. This one was kind of cool. Um, I had opened a pack of cards uh, with um, Brian uh, Perip, who, who's, um, who's been on the show. He's a guy that goes around the country opening cards. And he had a contest, and it was like, open open a pack of cards and, and, and your favorite place. So I went down. To Salem Willows, which is a, a kind of a famous uh, place in Massachusetts. I don't know Drew if you've been there. It's kind of like it, it's kind of like an old um, arcadey place, and and but it was in the it, we went I went in April. It's freezing cold, but anyway. So I I opened a pack of 88, uh, 89 tops football cards, and one of the cards I got was Rich Carlos, and I said, oh, oh nice. I think he signs, so I sent it off to him. Rich signed it, nice blue sharpie. He actually sent me his business card, so I'm hoping. We might have Rich Carlos on the show. I I sent out a feeler to see if we can get Rich Carlos on the show, but he signed my card in less than uh, uh, two weeks. And it's, he was a barefooted kicker for Denver. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, I got two cards from Jerry Seasting. Jerry Seasting of course played for the Indiana Pacers and he was a member of the uh, Boston Celtics 1986 championship team. He signed his 86 flare card, which was kind of cool. And his 87 flare card, very nice signature. Uh, And it was returned in uh, less than two weeks. And lastly, this was another card I was just flipping through and I saw, oh, this guy, this guy signs his name, Dave Revering, who played first base for the Oakland A's back in the day, 1980 tops card. He signed uh, Blue Sharpie and a quick turnaround, less than two weeks. So happy to get those back. Those are my returns to the week. As I said, I sent out another three this week. I sent out probably 45 or 50 last week. So I've got a lot of of, uh, requests out there. And hopefully, They'll start be filtering in in the next uh, week or so because I've got uh, a ton of football and a ton of basketball out there, and I have uh, I probably did another fifteen or twenty baseball like two weeks ago. So I got I got a lot of requests out there. We got to we got to get it. We got to get some returns, you know, Drew. We definitely do. And I was actually looking through because you know my birthday being
2: tomorrow, I'm thinking, all right, hey, how many how many have I gotten back on my birthday in my lifetime? The answer is one. Ever one. 2012 i got glenn hall back on my birthday and aside from that i have never had another april 23rd
1: success in my entire life i'll have to check that my birthday is july 7th and it's usually right on because it's right around 4th of july so i kind of usually i don't like to send out during holiday times i'm Mm -hmm. i'm superstitious about that and i kind of want to like i usually take the gene christmas and new year's off i usually don't send out around thanksgiving and july 4th i and Labor Day, those kind of weekends, I, I kind of give people a break. So <laughs> I bet I don't have many returns then as well, but well, that, that, that wraps up returns. As I said, we got a lot of returns coming up, but uh, we're going to go right into our TTM cast interview of the week.
0: This week's interview is brought to you by certified sports guarantee CSG cards.com for superior sports card certification and grading.
1: As I said, in the intro, I got a, the pleasure of interviewing Sam McDowell, Sam McDowell, of course, Played for the Cleveland Indians, the uh, San Francisco Giants, the New York Yankees, and the Pittsburgh Pirates from 1961 to 1975. He is uh was a five, six-time AL All Star, five times strikeout leader. Uh, he was uh, a big guy, a big pitcher, big <laughs> left-handed pitcher, and who was a pretty good pitcher in his day. But he was also uh, an alcoholic. And uh, Sam writes about his trials and tribulations and the ups and downs of his major league career and, and just you know what how he uh, his personality and how he became an alcoholic and how he overcame that and it's really an inspiring and, and fun book it's, it's it's a quick read um so um, please enjoy my interview with uh, mr sam mcdowell but first here's a message from our friends at csg
0: csg is excited to reveal its brand new certification label the new label matched with the hobby's best holder will enhance and preserve your cards like no other certification option Green is gone in favor of a black, silver, and gold palette that will complement the colors of any sports card. Up your collecting game with the new CSG label, as well as the fastest turnaround times at the most affordable prices. Get the new label today at csgcards.com.
1: Join the show and welcoming Sam McDowell. Sam is a veteran of uh, I don't know, a lot of seasons in the Major League. Sorry, Sam, I didn't get the number. But he played from 1961 to 1975 with the Cleveland Indians, San Francisco Giants, New York Yankees, and Pittsburgh Pirates. He was, of course, a left-handed pitcher. He won six. Uh, he was a member of six AL All-Star teams and led the AL in strikeouts five times. He is a member of the Cleveland Guardians Hall of Fame, and he has co-authored a brand-new book with sports writer Marty uh, Gitlin, and it's called The Saga of Sudden Sam, The Rise and Fall and Redemption of Sam McDowell. Welcome to the program, Sam.
4: Thanks. It's good to be here.
1: Sam, you got a, you got a great resume. There's a lot, lot of accomplishments you should be proud of. And obviously, the, you know, overcoming uh, your addiction to alcohol is, is number one. Um, my question to you is, first question to you is, after all these years, what inspired you to write the book?
4: Well, basically, over the past 50 years, I've had, I would say, nine or 10 sports writers, very good sports writers, that have uh, come to me about the idea of writing a book. And after talking with them, uh, primarily they were interested in a sensationalized book. Uh, to me, that really wasn't that important because most of your sensationalized books, you read it once, throw it away, it's it's done with, and uh, not a big deal. In my particular case, I thought for the past 50 years, in fact, I attempted to write my book three different times, uh, but then just kind of threw it away except for the last transcript. Uh, And I got a writer that contacted me, uh, Marty Gitlin, and I told him that I wasn't interested in a sensationalized book. I want to write a book that's going to help people. Uh, that's going to be meaningful that you're not going to throw away. And uh, to my surprise, he agreed to it, and we agreed to terms of what have you. And so I would write the chapters, and he would just correct the uh, grammar or uh, research the dates and times to make sure we were factually correct in everything that I wrote. And to this day, I'm shocked with the way it's taken off. Uh, never in my wildest dreams. That I feel we'd be sold out twice. Uh, in fact, we were sold out the first time, as I'm sure you know, before the book went public. And I'm told that's the first time it ever happened with these, with this publisher, in their 45-year history.
1: Um, well, it's a very, it's a very entertaining book. It really is.
4: Well, thank you. I appreciate it, and I, I hope, as I said, it is meaningful. Uh, to a lot of people that do read it, uh, because uh, one out of every three homes in the United States is going to be facing the same difficulties and problems that I ran into, irrespective of being a baseball player.
1: Well, you began the book with a, a failed suicide attempt, and that was a little shocking to me as a fan because I've, I've been a fan of yours since the early 70s, uh, you know, growing up, and, and that was something that I didn't know about. Um, was that something uh, difficult for you to, to divulge?
4: Uh, not really. I've been, uh, I think, and you might agree with me, that throughout the entire book, I've divulged an awful lot of things uh, about myself, and I felt that it was needed. So people knew the truth, knew the facts, uh, uh, knew the pain, the suffering that actually goes on and also know the beauty uh, uh, in the end uh, that is there for everybody, not just those that have an alcohol or drug problem, but those that might have an emotional problem, psychological problem, uh, those that have depression, uh, and so on. Uh, There is answers. There is solutions now.
1: We are speaking with six-time American League All-Star pitcher Sam McDowell, who played for the Cleveland Indians, the San Francisco Giants, the New York Yankees, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Sam has written a new book. It's called The Saga of Sudden Sam, The Rise and Fall and Redemption of Sam McDowell. And we're talking to Sam about his career and about his new book. Do you think that um, you put that at the beginning of the book to just to show us how deep you had uh, sunk in, in your life? Um
4: Well, I really, uh, to be honest with you, I never did get to how deep I did get uh, in my uh, career, in my life, uh, because there wasn't room for it. Uh, But Marty thought that would be a good catching uh, 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 chapter to actually help the reader understand that this is not your typical uh, chit-chat baseball book, you know, read it, throw it away, And now you can talk about the Indians and their downfall or their uprising and what have you, but it was far more meaningful. What surprised me was that early
1: in your life, it was filled with so much despair and depression. Uh, You know, despite the fact that you were so talented on the field and you had so much success as a high schooler and, and even, you know, as a young adult um but adult ultimately uh you kind of succumb to suggest uh addish, addiction addiction excuse me that's <laughs> easy for you to say i know addiction there you go <laughs> was it difficult to for you to go back and relive some of the, um your earlier days and kind of be introspective about how your parents played a role and how you growing up you know how it uh, affected you growing
4: up not really no not really it uh Uh, I thought that was necessary in order for individuals to truly understand uh, how individuals can go, what the pathway is, what the route is, uh, in which they can find inner peace, happiness, uh, really be a success in their second career and so on. Uh, People don't understand that or realize uh, that it's there, that it's available. They may not know where to go get it, uh, uh, the help that they need. What is there now. It's not like the old days where there was no solution. There is a solution uh, today. And uh, I'm perfect proof of going through the living hell, uh, in which it is a living hell, uh, as you read in the book. Yep. And be able to actually, uh, in my particular case, I thought it was a mental illness. I thought I was mentally disturbed. And I didn't think there was any solution until I went to that rehab and they sat down and proved to everybody how it is a disease, no different than cancer or many other diseases, and that it's genetic, which I never knew. I never understood. Uh, that's why I, when I was going through my own recovery afterwards, because of all the different coursework that I took. During my career to try and figure out what was wrong with me, trying to help myself on the mound, I had uh, gained quite a few credits. And so my mentor, which was the foremost authority in the world on drug and alcohol abuse, a psychiatrist in Pittsburgh, uh, he would have me go over here to the Pitt Library, or go here to Duquesne and take this course, uh, or go to Harvard Medical School and take their course. on addictions, uh, uh, go to Kansas State, go to San Diego State, take their correspondence courses and so on. So I did fully understand, or I, that I would fully understand what it is that's going on, how the chemical changes take place from birth. Uh, not because you drank alcohol later on, but those chemical changes were there long before you ever took your first drink. And then the effect that it has on the body and how an individual can prove it. And that was one of the things that I was very, very happy with is when I didn't introduce my programs to the Toronto Blue Jays and the Texas Rangers. I knew that you cannot go and sit down in front of the players and hand them a bunch of bullshit or try to get them to sell on an idea. They're not going to believe you because they're being sold on a daily basis something from somebody all the time. And so my idea was to let them prove it. I wasn't there to prove I was an angel or a saint, but what I was there to do was to understand fully. I know how a player thinks. I know he's not gonna think much about what I'm saying, but if he can prove it to himself, what's happening? What's the feeling, how he's thinking? When he just went out last night and had too many beers, what effect it had on him the next day in the game? And once they saw that, that it wasn't bullshit that I knew what I was talking about, I had it.
1: We are speaking with six-time American League All-Star pitcher Sam McDowell, who played for the Cleveland Indians, the San Francisco Giants, the New York Yankees, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Sam has written a new book. It's called The Saga of Sudden Sam, The Rise and Fall and Redemption of Sam McDowell, and we're talking to Sam about his career and about his new book. Well, uh, as a youngster, as a a high school uh, senior in high school, I believe you were a batting practice pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but there was uh, one guy that wouldn't face you. How come?
4: Yep, Clemente. I I was a little wild for him and throwing 103 miles an hour, uh, that wasn't conducive to Roberto getting in the batting cage.
1: That's kind of funny. And and one of the things that was was eye-opening to me, I didn't realize this, that as a a high school senior, when you were going to announce who you were signing with, you you didn't do it uh, in a high school gymnasium. You did it on national TV. How did that come about?
4: Well, actually, I did announce it earlier in the newspapers in Cleveland uh, because uh, the day that I graduated from high school, The following day, that's when my parents started visiting with all the scouts at the time, 16 of them uh, at the time, and made the rules that uh, you make one offer, that's it, your best offer. My parents didn't want to upset anybody and have negotiations go back and forth and so on. And so once I decided what team I was going to sign with, I went ahead and signed, and the next day they had me fly to Cleveland. So that Mel Harder, the pitching coach up there in the major leagues, could take a look at me and design what type of work he wanted me to do in the minor leagues. And so that's when it was announced and in the newspapers uh, first. But then nationally, I got a phone call the following day uh, on Tell the Truth, and they wanted uh, me and my mother, because I was underage, I was only 17, they wanted me and my mother to fly to New York and be on that show to tell the truth, which I was. And, of course, it was announced there nationally. Were you nervous? Not really. I just didn't know where I was or what was going on. Kind of whirlwind? Yeah, it was just a whirlwind, and I had no idea. And, in fact, we even went to see a movie because I had an uncle there who bought tickets to My Fair Lady, which was the number one show on Broadway. And I had no idea what that was either. Uh, but my parents, you know, my mother sure did. And so on. So, and then I got back home and the very next day, they sent me to Lakeland, Florida D-ball. And so I, that was the first baseball game uh, that I ever saw professionally was one that I played in. Cause I never had time in Pittsburgh to go see the Steelers or the Pirates uh, or the uh, hockey uh, team, whatever. I was always busy because I played football, basketball, baseball, tennis, and cross country.
1: Now, you didn't spend that much time in the uh, major, in minor leagues. You, you, know, you, you made your major league debut one week before your 19th birthday. Um, was that difficult to, to come out and, and face you know, grown men at, at that age?
4: No, not really. Only because I really didn't realize where I was. I don't know if I would have realized that, would not have been able to do it. But to me, I was just in that fog that I explained in the book. Yep. And uh, I spent that half a year or two months in Lakeland, and then a full year at Salt Lake City in AAA, which was against my parents' uh, uh, requirements. They wanted me to go from D ball to C ball to B ball, and so on. But Cleveland felt that I could pitch well enough to pitch in AAA. And as it turns out, I was the only pitcher on the team with a winning record. And at the end of the year, they brought me up and 18 years old, I'm pitching against Jim Lemon and Harmon Killebrew uh, and Earl Batty and them.
1: But, um, Tony, was Tony Oliva up Yeah, no, no? That was kind of before
4: he came up, right? I'm not sure. I can't remember that far back. I'm having having trouble figuring out what I had for breakfast.
1: Well, we're speaking with Sam McDowell. Sam is a six-time American League All-Star. He led the American League five times in strikeouts. He played for the Cleveland Indians, San Francisco Giants, New York Yankees, and Pittsburgh Pirates from 1961 to 1975. And he has written a new book. It is called The Saga of Sudden Sam, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of Sam McDowell. And Sam, uh, one, one thing that, that really uh, stuck out in me is that, and I think you quoted this a couple times, that you really enjoyed um, living the celebrity life.
4: No, I didn't. Uh, you didn't? Okay. Obviously, obviously, later on, I found out that basically I'm an introvert, and I still have difficulty when I'm around a lot of people or in crowds and what have you. Uh, that's just part of my personality. But back then, it it, uh, I had no concept of where I was and what I was doing and so on. Even though I had great coaches and had teammates and what have you, it was just that I was in that fog and just uh, having yeah. very limited fun uh, getting paid doing something that I did from the time I was seven years old. and uh, I would like to say I enjoyed it to a degree yeah, which I did but not like any normal uh, person would have.
1: Well, the, 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 let, let, let's go back to a little folklore right and, uh, in September of 1969 you uh, were in Memorial Stadium in Baltimore and you got upset with, with an umpire, and you uh, took a ball and almost threw it out of Memorial Stadium. Now, uh, is this a fish story, Sam? You know, Well, I caught a fish this big, and then I caught a fish this big, and then I caught a fish this big. What happened? Uh, it's,
4: it's, really, it's really a story that's grown legs over the years. Well, I'm not sure it grew legs because I actually threw it almost out of the complete stadium I missed it by two rows. Oh. <laughs> and uh, there's another story about that too. But uh, what had happened was Barnett, the umpire, uh, after he had a brutal game and I had enough of it and I challenged him and he threw me out of the game. And then he had the gall to come out and say, give me that ball, you punk. And I said, here, go get it. And I turned around on the bomb and tried to throw it out of the stadium. And I missed by two rows. Uh, But then the rest of the story was that the following day, I get a telegram from the commissioner, uh, Joe Cronin, who said that it went 295 rows uh, up. So he's finding me $295. I sent him back a check for 300 and said, as usual, your umpire was wrong. (laughs) He got a kick out of that. But the next day, Earl Weaver comes out of the dugout and sees all his players trying to do the same thing throw the ball out of the stadium they were even using fungal bats trying to hit it out of the stadium and they couldn't do it there weaver comes out and sees it, screaming and hollering and he says the next guy that tries that sam McDowell chip he says it's a 500 hundred dollar <laughs> fine," because he didn't want them hurting their arms and so on
1: you played on uh, six all-star games um do you have any special memories from any of those games
4: Yeah, I did. I guess perhaps the best one of all was in 1970 in Cincinnati when Ray Fosse and Pete Rose collided at home plate. But if you recall, I had eight consecutive strikeouts uh, in that game from everybody, from Willie Mays to Perez to Oliva and so on. Uh, And I was told when I left the game, After the third inning, they told me, uh, don't take a shower, stay here, because you might be the MVP for the game. But then, of course, uh, two innings later, the the collision, and then Pete Rose scoring to win the game, that ended that. But ironically, both uh, Ray Fossey and myself went out to dinner the previous night with Pete Rose. Pete Rose and I were friends. Uh, even though in those days uh, you didn't have many in baseball with the opposition because they truly were your enemy. But I had befriended him in the minor leagues when he played at Tampa and so on. And so we went out to dinner and then had cocktails at his house afterwards. And then that collision the next day that ruined Ray Fosse's career.
1: Sure. You played on some really um, tough Cleveland teams back then. The, the, it was tough for them to get uh, attendance, and, and there was always there was talk of them moving. But you had real fondness for those those Indians teams
4: that you played for in the sixties and seventies. Yes, I did. I every one of us knew with Gay Paul, he was not going to spend a dime. And in fact, he spent nickels like manhole covers, and we knew that he wasn't going to really get anybody because one, he couldn't afford it; two, he wasn't going to do it anyway because he wasn't used to that type. Uh, as a general manager in his history was Cincinnati and Houston and so on. Uh, but in any event, uh, we knew we weren't going to get any new players. So when we left spring training, we knew we are going to be in last place, no matter what, but we had pride. And I would go up against any team with the team that uh, I had behind me. And yes, we didn't have the overall talent, but there are certain individuals that you could pick out Take a Max Alvarez, the third baseman, match his statistics, offense and defense with Brooks Robinson, Greg Nettles, any of them. He's right there. Yep. Uh, but we just didn't have enough uh, of them. And uh, uh, we, as I said, we, we had pride. Uh, we were known as the Yankee killers. The Yankees hated playing against us. Detroit hated playing against us because we beat them. Uh, most of the time. Uh, I can remember being in that stadium when we had 77,000 people. We were playing a Yankee doubleheader on Sunday. The Friday game was 66,000. The Saturday game was 72,000. And then on Sunday, they held up the game for an hour so that they could move the bullpens inside the fence because they used to be up on the terrace. Mm -hmm. And bring everybody in for a dollar standing room only. And there were 77,000 people there. And I would say 90% of them had Yankee uh, paraphernalia on them.
1: You had um, great respect for Reggie Jackson. I, 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 I kind of gathered that from, from reading the book. Were there any other players that, that um, you really respected uh, uh, and, and enjoyed facing? Um.
4: I kind of respected everybody that had a uniform. Yep. Uh, uh, I did for some reason, I love challenging the best, the best on every team. Uh, and that's why I like facing Killebrew, mantle, uh, uh, whoever, uh, in fact, there is one interesting story in there. And that was the one where, uh, uh, pitched on a Saturday afternoon, uh, beat the Yankees, I believe it was 3-1, to one. struck Mickey Mano out three out of three times, and the next day was a doubleheader, so during the first game, I asked a clubhouse guy to go over and see if he could get a, a signed autograph picture from Mickey, because I was starting to collect some memorabilia, and he said, okay, he did, and so in between games, he comes back with his envelope that has a picture of Mickey in it and he signed it all right but i can't show anybody (laughs) he wrote some some things in there that you don't show people that's fine
1: you mentioned uh collecting memorabilia and autographs and 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 obviously that's become a a huge pastime and, and hobby lately um what are some of the things that you collected during your playing days
4: Well, I used to always collect autographed balls uh, throughout every All-Star game. I would get a dozen balls signed by the National League and a dozen balls signed by the American League. Uh, And I would do that throughout my career uh, and even after my career because, remember, I worked for a commissioner uh, with uh, being a clinical director for that. And so we'd always go to the All-Star games and I'd still get uh, the dozens of balls. Signed by both teams and so on. Uh, and I enjoy doing stuff like that. Back in our day, we weren't allowed to keep any uniforms like they are today. Uh-huh. Where they, can, they can order as many as they want. Or back in our day, they were sent down to the minor leagues. And the AAA team would use it the next year, then a Double A team the next year, and then the a, a team and so on. And so they guarded them like they were gold. So things like that. Uh, we wouldn't keep very much but I have a friend of mine I gotta tell you a story he heard about a pair of shoes that I sold Spikes and he went and tried to buy them and he finally did but it was for the all-star game in Cincinnati because it was the first time we were playing on artificial turf and they were all talking about how slippery it was when it gets wet And so I had my clubhouse guy knowing that I was going to be pitching in uh, Cincinnati. I had him go to the shoemaker and put golf spikes on the bottom of my cleats, which he did. And uh, I used them and all the other guys got them made the same way because later on, Kansas City had artificial turf, St. Louis, and so on, as you know. And so they were using that shoe a lot until the commissioner made it illegal three, four, five years later, because he was afraid somebody might get hurt uh, with sliding into somebody with those golf spikes. But anyhow, this friend of mine, he saw them on eBay. And so he wanted to buy them and he asked me if it was true that I had those spikes made. And I said, I sure did. And I sent him a letter of authenticity and everything. Nice. And he's got the, he's got them in his case at all. Do you
1: have um anything special from your playing days in terms do you have the first your first hit? Do you have the first strike or do you have a ball from your first win? Do you have any uh special personal memorabilia
4: from your, your days? Actually, no, about uh, I'm gonna say about ten years ago. I got rid of all my stuff. Okay. Uh it was getting to be a pain in the butt trying to dust it and keep them clean and all that stuff. And I had three, 400 balls autographed. I had trophies. I had, you know, uniforms, you name it, I had it. So there was one guy that was interested in all of it. So I said, come up, make an offer. And I sold it to him.
1: Did you, uh, when you were playing, um, did you ever, I always ask this to all the former athletes, did you ever just go into a a, a convenience store or a a drugstore or whatever and try to pick, buy a pack of cards to see if you can get your own card no 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 No, none of you guys ever did that
4: (laughs) no never did that one of the reasons was while i was playing people were willing to give me if i would autograph one they would give me two extras okay they were blank but they had given to me yep and so during my playing career i bet you i had two three thousand uh training cards did you collect cards as a kid? No.
1: No, no interest. How about um I know you um you get a lot of autograph requests through the mail. Do you spend a lot of time uh, answering fan mail still?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: How many
4: in, be- in fact I, I'm glad you mentioned that. We just actually changed the price structure on that. Uh, mainly because I was getting too many, to be honest with you. And I had two or three people tell me that I was foolish for selling mine so cheap and so we raised the price of all of them but on average i would get probably 30 a week
1: why don't you give out your price structure just so my listeners know because they're all big ttm guys
4: oh what it is is trading cards 20 dollars eight by 10 photos 25 baseballs 40 bats 50 magazines 50 uniform 75 and all others 50 dollars.
1: all right great well that's i mean you, you know so uh, the fans you know as fans we love to uh, send stuff out and we appreciate you getting them back to us and uh, you know thir- 30 in, a, in a, what 30 a week you were saying That's a, pre- yeah. that's, a that, that's a pretty good number still. Uh, just a couple other questions then I'll let you go. Um, I know you you spent time with Texas and Toronto. And, you know, sat in a lot of meetings. And one of the things that really, you know, at prior, after your career was your playing career was over, and one of the things that really surprised me, and I think surprised you, was that how um, deep the background in scouting goes on players.
4: Oh, it was beyond my comprehension. I mean, uh, they go through everything, including what the, that college player, high school player had for breakfast and so on. And I don't say that jokingly. I mean... They research everything you could imagine. And I would be in awe sitting in these meetings, just listening to how they evaluate different players, uh, what the situation is and how they evaluate whether they need this player for this position or this other player that has a different personality. What personality is going to be good for the team? What personality do we have that's bad for the team? And so on. And it's amazing. It just... It blew my mind. They have uh, they have one page and I'm told it's been enhanced a lot more today, but they had one page that had uh, both sides, it had 135 questions on it. And they went, they delved into everything you could imagine and then had some sort of a computer program where they would slide this in And it would print out a total evaluation of that player. Uh, And that's why uh, it used to amaze me how they would know that this third baseman would make a good pitcher. Yeah. And they would, when they got the player, they would change him into a pitcher. You know, like we had some, like Sonny Siebert was an outfielder. Vic Davalillo was an outfielder or a pitcher. And they made him an outfielder and so on. There's an awful lot of those players today, but I never knew they had any idea about that. You know, what's amazing is with all
1: the, the science and work and time put into it, it's still an inexact science, right? There's, there's still the human factor that, that... Well,
4: to me, obviously being in a position with all the different teams, where I was in a position of upper management, I would know and understand what they're talking about in different meetings and so on. I personally believe that one of the biggest downfalls in baseball is how baseball today has fallen in love with analytics, has fallen in love with uh, saber statistics, even to the point where I've had managers tell me that uh, he gets orders from the saber station upstairs uh, that the general manager had signed. He's sitting with the general manager uh, on actually running the team, some of the teams. And to me, that has really ruined the game in a way. Don't misunderstand me. Statistics are vital. You need them. Yep. You need to know where he's going to hit the ball, how the defense against it, what the weaknesses are, the strengths and so on of the hitter. But you don't get carried away with them. And one of the faults now is, take a look at all the strikeout home run ratios.
1: They don't, don't get watch in. launch angles and and all that kind of stuff.
4: Yeah, they ruined the swing. They get guys swinging for the fence, the loop they call it. And everybody that I have ever met that's been a great hitter, and I'm talking, you can go uh, back as far as you want to. That loop was a downfall. If I saw a hitter that had that loop, I loved it pitching because I would throw them up and in and he would swing under. That's yeah. where a lot of my strikeouts came from, okay? But today, because the agents tell a player that you don't get paid for hit and run or bunts, uh, you got to swing for the fences. That's where the money is. And the players listen to the agent only. I actually had a conversation with a manager one time where he told me that he gave a sign for a bunt. And the player stepped out of the box, shook his head no, and got in and swung for the fences because the agent told him, you know. And to me, that's bad. That's bad.
1: Yeah, different
4: Plus, time. plus, you have lost the real. I call the baseball fan the true baseball fan that knows and understands the game, the intricacies of a one-to-nothing game, uh, the hit and run, the fun, uh. Uh, hitting a fly ball uh, purposely to get a runner in from third and so on. Yep. Uh, they don't know that today. And even if you did try and instruct them, it wouldn't matter. They wouldn't do it anyhow. And that has totally changed the game. I know you go to the game now for uh, a little sushi and a glass of wine and <laughs> wait for and wait for the fireworks to go off for all the home runs. But we've lost a very good piece of the uh, the real fan.
1: We're speaking with Sam McDowell. Sam is a veteran uh, from 19, an MLB veteran from 1961 to 1975. He played with the Cleveland Indians, San Francisco Giants, New York Yankees, and Pittsburgh Pirates. He's a six-time AL All-Star. He led the AL in strikeouts five times he's co-authored a book a new book called the saga of sudden sam the rise and fall and redemption of sam mcdowell uh sam just a couple more questions and i'll let you go because I, I'm, I'm i love speaking with you and i love talking well, i get a, i, I get a curve
4: i get a curfew at midnight okay well we're, we're good then
1: <laughs> i just want this this one kind of is is for my co-host is a huge cleveland fan what do you think of, of the name
4: change i didn't like it I still don't like it. Uh, I'm in the Indians Hall of Fame, not Guardians Hall of Fame. No, I didn't like it. And in fact, to be quite honest with you, I don't like any of the woke stuff, any of the politics that have come into baseball. There's no place for that in baseball. You know, but that's my opinion. What do you think of some of the new
1: rule changes that are coming, the pitch clock and, and no more shifts and that kind of stuff?
4: Well, uh, I don't believe that uh, by getting rid of the shift, you're going to change much because the players weren't listening to that anyhow. I remember one time we put a shift on Frank Howard. And I mean, everybody was over on the left side of the diamond. Everybody. And he hits the ball right to second base and gets a single. I mean, now there's a team player. There's a guy that was on the team and wants to win, okay? Because the odds of him hitting a home run, even if it was great against me, it still wouldn't be getting a single because you could do that nine out of ten times if everybody moves off the infield on the right hand side. Uh, but the problem is that people don't do that today, and so what's the use of it? No, I
1: agree. Well, I got one, one last one. This one's for me because. Uh, I'm just going to make leave a name, and I wish you, you covered a little more in, in the book. Sam Malone from Cheers.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that I treated women better than he did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Guys, if you don't know, the character Sam Malone from Cheers is is based on uh, on Sam McDowell. As a lot of uh, Sam's life is res- reflected in the fictional character Sam Malone. Um, did you have any input in that, or that was kind of just you found out about that after the fact
4: no not at all i found out uh from a a very close friend of mine that's an attorney in cleveland and he told me he says sam have you seen cheers leading and i said yeah i love the program it's great and he said well that's about you and i said well what do you mean he said well the two writers that wrote that script and everything and created uh that show both of them were from cleveland and both of them were your fans that's really cool that's the first well, i heard about it
1: sam mcdowell has written a new book it is called the saga of sudden sam the rise fall and redemption of sam mcdowell it is available everywhere books are sold they're kind of uh backordered right now in terms of, of uh his publisher but there are, they are they're available on amazon right yeah. we have some yeah. some on amazon and they will be uh, in bookstores again shortly you just place a new order for them uh Sam, is there anything we didn't cover today? Because, you know, I didn't want to give well, away if the they whole. wanted,
4: if they want to buy the book and want me to autograph it for, send a self-stamped addressed envelope uh, and $25 now autograph it for. Perfect. Thank you, Sam. Uh, the,
1: the book is really entertaining. It's a great read. It talks all about Sam's career uh, in the major leagues, uh, the high points and the low points. Uh, you, you know, we, he also de- we, we talked a lot about Cleveland today, but he also talks about his time in uh, San Francisco as a, a relief pitcher in the Yankees and his last year with Pittsburgh. He talks about his, his family and his his first wife and his second wife. He talks about his uh, children uh, and he talks about his recovery and all. Um, there's a there's a lot that uh, that is covered in the book. And I didn't want to give away the whole the whole book today, because, again, there's got to be a reason to read it. Right, Sam.
4: Right. Well, you did leave out an awful lot that they'll be uh enjoying.
1: Yep, it's a great book. Well, again, Sam McDowell, thank you very much for your time and, and I really appreciate it.
4: You're quite welcome. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Bye right, bye. Sam, sorry about that. No problem. I knew I was gonna do it. I the whole time I was like, don't call him Sam Malone. Don't don't call him Sam Malone. <laughs> and lo and behold, I did it. Well, that wraps up another edition of TTM Cast. We are your Sports Collectibles podcast. My name is Jeff Baker. I have been your host of the program, and I was joined by my co-host and birthday boy, Mr. Drew Pelto. Drew, we we another one in the bank. Yep, one more down and hopefully a whole ton more to go. Yeah, we got a lot lot more to go. We're, we're, uh, as I said, I want to thank all our new listeners. We've got a lot of, ton of new listeners lately. I hope that you guys are enjoying our show. Uh, please uh, you know let us let us know how we're doing. How do how do people reach out and contact us, Drew? You can email us at
2: ttmcast at yahoo.com. You can also reach us on our text line, 978-729-0662. And of course, we're all over social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, we had a contest going on this week. We're giving away what what are we giving away, Drew? See if you pay That's, attention. Yeah, that was a copy of Sam McDowell's new book,
2: Autograph Copy, no less which you can see well you can't see right here because uh, we're on a podcast not a video thing and i'm holding up my book here for no real reason right now but <laughs> the name of the book is the saga of sudden sam the rise fall and redemption of sam mcdowell written by sam mcdowell and martin gitlin with a forward by steve garvey so great stuff right there and
1: if you're a chance to win an autographed copy yeah all right thanks sam mcdowell for joining us was very forthright and and uh didn't dodge any questions and and was really uh, upfront about his life and he had a tough life you know in terms of overcoming uh alcoholism and and uh you know had a tough life with with his family and it was really he covers that all in the book but um we will we will uh you know thanks sam for joining us again if you want to Register, register to win an autographed copy of Sam's new book, which is available on Amazon. It is called The Saga of Sudden Sam McDowell. It is The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of Sam McDowell. You can purchase that on Amazon, but you can also win uh, a copy of his new book that he's going to sign for us. And you can just send me your name and email address to ttmcast at yahoo.com. Well, Drew, I think that wraps it up. You got anything else you want to talk about since you're the birthday boy? <laughs>
2: I think, that, uh, I think that pretty well covers it. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be going out and doing some in-person graphing with some minor
1: league ball this weekend. So I'll have a little bit to talk about uh, that for next weekend as well. All right, cool. Well, you have a great week. I want to hopefully get a lot of returns for your birthday tomorrow. Next week, we have Bob Means. Bob is director of trading cards at eBay. And we talk all about uh, what's been going on with eBay and trading cards. They've been uh, a player in, in the trading card market for a while now. And um, you know if you hadn't heard that, Basically, every second of every day, a trading card is sold on eBay. So they are a player in terms of the secondary market for trading cards. And they do a lot uh, for the seller and the collector. We're going to talk to Bob about uh, what's been happening with eBay in regards to trading cards. So that will be next week. Um, I think that's it, Drew. I want to again wish you a happy birthday. Have a fantastic week. Wishing everyone many happy returns. We'll see you next week.